Coming up on today's show, we have a great episode where we are going to break down some of the latest news, but then dive into the latest about fast passes, all the new tiers, all the new strategies, and how to ride everything you want to ride in your next vacation. That's coming up next on Traveling with the Mouse. Welcome everyone to today's show. It is Wednesday, January the 29th, 2020. This is episode 254 of Traveling with the Mouse. I am your host for today's show. I am Jason and I am joined by all as always by my esteemed co-hosts. First of all, there's Adam. What's up everybody? Well, there you are. Uh, it's here. good to have you. And we have the one the only John. I'm going on Disney cruise. <laughs> oh yeah, you are. When is that cruise going to be? It's going to be quite a long time from now. It's like the end of the year. So November the 30th is the sale date. So All right. So it's an unofficial Traveling with the Mouse podcast cruise. You can f- cruise with John. Get your sailing in now. <laughs> uh, John, what's your stateroom number? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> is this your gold cruise, John? Or whatever yes. it's called? Yes, it will be the... I will be a gold member after this cruise. Oh, you love gold. (laughs) Which means you get to do things a little bit earlier the next time, the next sailing you want to take. So, sorry to start a bit of a downer, but I do want to bring up something that we all are thinking about. So, Stacy Galloway, who's part of the challenge community, her son's best friend passed away earlier this week, as well as her father. So, I just wanted to say... Stacy, we're thinking about you, everybody out there in the challenge community. If you're listening, hope you're uh, doing well and we're thinking about you and hope you can get through this. So sending you warm hugs. Yeah, yes, absolutely. That was uh, sad, sad to see that at the close, so close together. I just wanted to throw that out there before we dive into today's episode. I hope you're listening and taking your mind off of things or doing something fun. There you go. But before we dive into today's episode, where we're going to talk a little bit about FastPass, it's been a while since we've talked FastPass, and things have changed. So later, we're going to talk about some of the updates to FastPass. There's some new, big news this week. Yeah, Millennium Falcon getting FastPass, so we're going to talk all about that, what that means for your strategies. We're going to talk about strategies for each park. But before that, I think there's some other big news to go around the horn, maybe real quick. I want to lead off with my favorite story. It's one of our recurring stories. I just wanted to bring it up. Originally discontinued from Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, (laughs) Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the Space Sporks are back and they are on sale. So if you didn't steal one last time, you can now buy them. And that's the only way you can get them this time. Right. Biggest news story of the week. (laughs) It's hilarious that Disney's like, oh, these people are just stealing them and selling them on eBay. So we're going to sell them ourselves so you can just buy them outright, and then sell them on eBay. But So have both of you read the story? I just want you, if you haven't, I want you to take a guess of how much it costs. It comes yeah. with a travel bag. <laughs> I saw. Typical Disney pricing. John, do you have a guess? Yeah, I saw the headline only, so I haven't really looked at how much it costs. What would yet. you guess then? It comes with a bag uh, to carry it in. Right. Uh, like a, a burlap sack. Is it still a plastic spork? Um, it is metal, I believe. Oh, is it metal? I think it's metal. Yeah. Or it's like metal-ish. $15? Just guessing. Close. $10.99. I went went a little Now that you said that, they probably raised the price. Ooh, they're like, John, (laughs) I'll pay $15? (laughs) Once they sell out of these, they're like, oh, yeah, $14.99 now for... 
It's not that I would Sporks. pay 15. It's that that's what I think of how Disney would price things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is an introductory price. Believe me. Yeah. If these sell out like they think they will, they'll probably will raise the price. Well, if you went to more. Galaxy's Edge earlier uh, when it first opened, you got the introductory price of free when everybody was stealing yeah. them. Well, I just right. I just pulled it up and it says sales tax to be added. So I might be closer to right when it's all said and done. Um, mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> It's better to wait and buy it on the cruise at the gift shop there when you don't. <laughs> All right. Can you get a pass holder discount there, though? I doubt it. Docking Bay 7 probably doesn't give you a discount, now, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they just doing this at Disneyland right now, or am I reading that wrong? I believe it's both. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen officially, but I think it is uh, going to be. If it's not already, it will be soon, probably. I'm sure Disney made millions of these. And people were stealing them, so they're like, hang on a second, how do we make money off of this and not lose all our... If they really wanted to make a moneymaker, they should make a version of, like, Forky that's, like, a Sith version of Forky. That's a sport. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, an idea for Toy Story Land. Sell Forkies that you can eat with at Woody's Lunchbox. (laughs) $10.99. I'm patenting it as soon as I can. (laughs) It comes with its own googly eyes and stuff that you can glue on it later. After you eat it, you can make a sporky with it. No, I think they should just put the really eyes on before you eat with it. That way some people <laughs> accidentally swallow some eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they know that would be a lawsuit. So they're like, okay, we'll give you the spork and then we'll give you the little kit to make a forky out of it later. And then they can use some of their other technologies to put a little chip in it to make it jump around. And as long as you're <laughs> sitting in Woody's lunchbox, it keeps trying to jump into the trash can. <laughs> exactly. That's brilliant. <laughs> or... Or you can buy personality chips for your forky for an extra ten ninety nine. <laughs> oh mother! We should be on the marketing team for Disney or whatever. I think there's a reason this. they've never called us. <laughs> yeah, guess so. We've already spent too much time talking about sporks. <laughs> yes, you're right. Any Let's, any any other interesting news, non fast pass related? We'll get to that later. Well, the parks in China have had to close because of the virus going the coronavirus around. corona yeah yeah that's no bueno and that is a serious virus and it started to spread now mostly on the west coast so we'll see how that affects any other operations i think they're warning people in tokyo now to be careful yep right yeah so it's getting a little scary well here's a small story that i thought was interesting uh, they're saying that there's work on the queue for a small world Ooh, I have not seen that. What's the? What are they doing to Small World? Well, it says currently they're just doing a refurbishment on the queue. It says there there's a temporary entrance that's closer to the Tangle bathrooms and the stroller parking area. So the hmm. Fast Pass entrance, <laughs> this queue definitely they need to clean it. If anything, I mean it's f- absolutely filthy. The um the setting and the backdrops and the clock and all that stuff. There's just like loose change and gum wrappers and chewed gum stuck in all the places and they just need to clean it really good for one well i mean you've made those criticisms enough on this podcast that if they listen to us at all that's probably the reason why they're doing this refurb so (laughs) it could be i never look at that cue i'm either i'm looking at my phone or looking at trying to keep up with my kids so (laughs) what's a cue Uh, i can't help but notice those kind of things so hopefully they'll make it look better 
because it's in bad shape. This is, uh, you know, the other thing, thinking, just thinking about Small World, isn't this, like, the worst Small World entrance area, like Disneyland's and all the other parks that have a Small World look so much better than the one in Florida? Well, Florida, most of Fantasyland had a very generic outdoors part, I guess. Like it was that all the queues started as you can see in the inside of them, but they're they're just like rows of queues, aka Peter Pan. What you see with Pooh, which was still part of the Mr. Toad's queue, technically, uh, they just rearranged it. They were kind of uniformed with Magic Kingdom, mm-hmm. and not as focused on the details, I guess, of the outside. Like they, I mean, because the, the Peter Pan in Disneyland, the outside looks better, right? So, yeah. Well, it's more to keep you out of the weather in Florida. Yeah. But it just looks it just looks terrible. Well, the thing about it is is like the Pinocchio's Daring Journey, for instance, is in, the queue is indoors. I can't think of any part of it that's outdoors, but it still looks more like, you know, it's themed. Yeah. And Mr. Toad, the old Mr. Toad, did not look themed at all at Walt Disney World when they had that one. The Mr. Toad in Disneyland totally looks themed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. Anyway. So, well, John, did you have anything? Because I have some more. Well, I was going to put something in here that I came across that I thought was kind of interesting, and I doubt any of us would ever use it, but there was a new feature on the Walt Disney World website, Cobrows. Have you guys seen that on the website? I saw it on there where they can, like, help you remotely yes. on the website. Yes, it's a, it's a new option mm-hmm. on the bottom under the help category called Cobrows, where oh, okay. a cast member, you actually oh, enable yeah. a cast member to share your screen with them, and it works through the chat function, so that means the chat, fun- chat function has, has to actually be enabled, which it's not always, like sometimes you may have noticed it's grayed out on the website, probably because of busyness, but what's interesting is that it does say the cast member you're communicating with will send you a code that you can copy and paste into the Cobrow screen to allow them to view your computer screen remotely. For privacy reasons, the cast member cannot see anything you type, and they can only see your screen while you're active on the Disney World website. How do they limit that? If they're doing it all through the browser, it sounds to me like they've set up some way where all they need to do is uh, capture some of your mouse movements via the web browser so that they can see a mirror of what you're seeing. So it sounds like it's not sharing your screen. It's just going to share basically the page you're on, what you're seeing, that kind of thing, so that they can see what you're doing. Yeah, like if you're doing a Chromecast, for example, I think you can you can cast one tab of your browser, and if you switched, you know, like on your TV, you would be able to see the other tabs, only the one you're sharing with the Chromecast. So I assume... It's going to be something like that. You're just sharing whatever you, whatever they need to see. But you know how most people are going to approach that? They're going to be like, oh, I ain't letting you get into my computer. (laughs) What are you talking about? My grandfather, just like random people on the internet, send him an email and he clicks on it. He's like, sure, you want to take over my computer? Why not? (laughs) Oh, I run into them all the, well, more often than I should. Yeah. I imagine a lot of people would trust Disney, right? Be like, hey, fix my vacation for me. They they take over and they're like, sir, I see you're looking at Pop Century. Have you considered a cabana uh, yeah. Polynesian <laughs> bungalow? Right, yeah. Have you considered a bungalow? They're going to take over and be like, let me let me uh, make your fast pass for you. Let's see. Uh, Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Uh, let's see. Um, Under the Sea. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Muppet Vision 3D. Yeah. 
I have uh, an interesting note. Overnight, Disney raised all the prices for character dining experiences across the parks. Did you see that? I no. did. Um, Doesn't surprise me. No. Wasn't it anywhere adults from like, went up. I'm sorry, anywhere yeah. from one to four dollars or something like that. Yeah, adults' prices went up by a dollar, but children's went up by three to four dollars. So children went way higher. <laughs> and the rest res, restaurants <laughs> that went up are 1900 Park Fair, Bon Voyage Adventure Breakfast, Cape May Cafe, Chef Mickey's, Ohana, Storybook <laughs> Dining Ooh. at Artist Point, Crystal Palace. Akershush Royal Banquet, Garden Grill, Hollywood and Vine, and Tusker House. So pretty much all oh character God. dining. <laughs> what is like. not going up is the Riviera Breakfast, which as of the last reports that I heard is only $40 per adult. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. They're, they're trying to lower those prices at Riviera and get people in there. Right. They're trying to keep it more reasonable for the time being because they're... I don't think they're selling... Uh, like they had hoped and they're hoping to uh, have a good, maybe a character experience might attract more people, I guess. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. Most of the character meals are not that great as far as food. And like 1900 park fair is one of the worst ones I've ever done food wise, especially. I heard this point and I'm just going to bring it up and see one. if you guys think this, but when we talked about Riviera, not selling like they had hoped, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you see about it that really just screams French or Italian Riviera? Well, the real French Riviera is right across from the Caribbean, right? In real life, the French Riviera and the Caribbean are like right next to each other, right? And they're they both in the middle of exactly Central Florida. Right. They're both in yeah. the middle of Central Florida. <laughs> um, right. I think some of the art I've seen was is pretty cool. It just feels disjointed because they're trying to do both France and Italy. I think that from what I haven't seen it, I want to go visit it on my next trip. I haven't had a chance to visit it. But the critiques I've heard is like they have a very small lobby. It's like the Grandestino lobby Tiny. is more impressive. Like um, shrunk. Shrunk the Grandestino lobby. Yeah. A shrunken version. And it's, it's got some elements of the French, in, but they didn't really make up their mind of which direction to go. So they just merged two themes somewhat together. Mm-hmm. And then there's just mm. passing references on how stuff ends up in the, in the room and how it's tangentially related to the, either of those two themes. Yeah. I walked over there back in December and wasn't that impressed with it overall like it was some few some things that were nice about it but to getting from the skyliner to the lobby took a lot of winding pathways and took a long time to find the elevator and did it feel like uh, a 700 dollar a night hotel no no <laughs> I, honestly like grand floridian to me feels like a deluxe resort the to me riviera felt like a moderate but again, I didn't see the rooms. I didn't see anything. I walked around the grounds. It felt like a not as great version of Grand Destino. That's what it felt like to me. Grand Destino is way better. I think the grounds at Coronado Springs. It was easier to get around. Um, it, I, I haven't, like I said, been to Riviera. But just from what I've seen and being at Coronado Springs, I like the stay at Grand Destino. And then you have the huge grounds to work with. you got the three rivers. Mm-hmm. You've got the right. pool, you've got the, the rooftop, you've got all sorts of choices there. 
The only thing that I don't really care for at Coronado is really like the Rick's Rick's or whatever it's called, the sports bar. That, eh. Right. Just leave. Yeah, it. that's for conventions people. Yeah, who don't know. Yeah, but otherwise, but, I think it's got more options. Yeah, I felt like Riviera was way smaller than it should have been too. It just but feels the, the, very small. The deluxe aspect is supposed to be the convenience to the Skyliner. Sure. But you. Like you said, it's it sounds like it's a kind of a long walk, and to get to Hollywood Studios, it requires a transfer. Like mm-hmm. I feel like if they had made that the hub, where Riviera was somehow the way that you just got direct transportation, that could have mm-hmm. elevated it too. And not to mention the Epcot line is like down all the time. Still, there's all kinds of issues with it. It stops a lot. So and. Yeah. Uh, it appears that one thing that the Skyliner has accomplished, though, is Caribbean Beach is up, what, almost $100 a night compared to where it was? Yeah. So, yeah. I remember when we were booking our challenges, we stayed at Caribbean Beach one time last year. Mm-hmm. When I went on a spur-of-the-moment trip like a couple years ago with you, Adam, we put yeah, Caribbean Beach because it was always available. It was super cheap. Nobody wanted to stay there. Now yeah, there was so much construction there. back then. Yeah. And then, boom, Skyliner, all of a sudden, it's the place $300 a night. <laughs> Yeah, I remember staying there on that spur-of-the-moment trip where I went to the pirate room, and I got in there, and they had Disney Skyliner pins and all these. We're sorry about the construction. Have some free character pins because they had just started the construction. Yeah, Should have saved that pin. I don't know where it went. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. I definitely should have saved it. I was going to say, the one thing that I've seen from like videos and such, that the Riviera does have some really good views from the restaurants and such. Them. that's one 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 i think plus. that's one thing but you don't have to stay there to do that i actually right. have that booked for our february trip but i'm going to probably cancel that because it I, from what i read it's very signature and i'm not sure i was in for the signature experience on that trip it's more of a quick trip so i'm probably going to skip out on topolinos i haven't got a good chance on sort of my the way my fast passes are now in our current plans i think i would rather try to do the topolinos breakfast the character breakfast but mm-hmm. because from what i've heard is yeah it's cheaper than some of the other character breakfasts right now because they're trying to attract people it has basically the characters you get at chef mickey's but there's fewer tables more space because it is a signature restaurant they don't really like cram the people in so you get more time with the characters for less money Okay. Hopefully that's good. Anything else? All right. Well, I've got one more short one that I wanted to throw in here, which is that the Walt Disney World Railroad is, as of the Monday, this Monday, is now going to be parked at the Fantasyland station due to more just updates since it's not doing anything. They're going to do some work on the track at the Main Street station. So they're going to move the train over to Fantasyland if you want to take pictures or take a look at the train up close, that kind of thing. You can see it at Fantasyland starting now. I guess if you had been able to hop onto the train when they were moving it. (laughs) Yeah. I doubt they let any guests ride it. That would have been cool, actually, if they would have let the guests ride it over there, but... So we have to assume they're going to leave it there until the Tron thing is done, you think? Either that or are they going fl- to flip it into reverse? I mean... Yeah, I guess they could put it in reverse and back it, back it around. I don't know. I heard I'm assuming they're doing an extensive refurb around all of it, you know, while they have it down. And I'm assuming yeah. they moved it to Fantasyland so they could do something to the, the station at Main Street. Yeah. 
I remember seeing when I when we first when it first closed because I went up there to the train station on Main Street, and if you look towards Adventureland side, the toll track was removed at one point, and so they were just redoing the whole track. So they're probably just doing the track around that area where whatever's left between Tomorrowland and Main Street Station, they're probably just going to replace all the track there too, that's my guess. Okay. So anyway. So uh, you want to update on Rise of the Resistance? Yeah, let's update that. Yes, I would like a fast pass for Rise of the Resistance, please. I would too. <laughs> uh, you them. can get them by getting kicked off the ride because it breaks down. They do hand those yeah. out. Here's some interesting data. So after we recorded last time, Rise had a really bad day. So last yeah. Tuesday, Rise did not open. It did not accept its first guests until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. At Hollywood Studios, right? Yeah. That yeah, one. At Hollywood That's Studios. What we're talking about, we're talking about yeah. Hollywood Studios because we're a Disney World centric podcast. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The one out in California thing. is really bad, but yes. But here's what's interesting to me it ran from 2.02 to 9 p.m., and they still called boarding group up to 108. Yeah. That's interesting. So they got to the backup groups. How did they do that? The next day, Rise didn't open until 9.06 a.m. Closed at 8.40 p.m. and only got to boarding group 79. Now, I feel like I remember hearing people say they cut down the returns to an hour for that So day, I but saw I that, wrong. that they've been reducing returns. But then I saw Toddler of Terror and Kenny were in the park uh, the day we're recording this, Monday. And they had a two-hour return window when they yeah. were called. So I think it depends maybe on what they think the ride's doing and they're not listening to anything we say because consistency is what matters and they're not being consistent on anything they're not yeah maybe in those seven hours that it ran from two to nine there was literally no breakdowns that's why they able to get so uh so that's what i was wondering too yeah maybe i mean it's weird and now it seems to be a little bit back on schedule so thursday friday saturday sunday they all got above 100 on the boarding group uh it all opened before 8 a.m on Friday and Saturday, it closed at 7 p.m., though. So what's interesting to me is also looking at when the boarding groups, the non-backup, the original boarding groups, were filled up. So let's just look at the last week, starting at Tuesday. 7.01 a.m. Wednesday, 7.09 a.m. Thursday, 7.03. Mm-hmm. Friday, 7.01. Saturday, 7.03. Sunday, 7.01. Monday, 7.01. So in theory, we're supposed to be in a slower time. Right, this is supposed to be a lull, and they're they're running out of boarding groups within a one minute. Yeah, have they reduced how many they're handing out because of all this? You think it's possible, but I've seen the crowds; they still look like the same number of people coming in as as I saw. I think part of what ha- is happening at Hollywood Studios is like the main support group headed west on January this or prior to January the seventeenth. Yeah, because they were going to be there to make sure that one tried to run, tried to make sure that one ran as smoothly as possible. What they should have done is they should have just made it where rather than they have a a backup for the animatronics where somebody just suits up and just (laughs) axe it out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I thought all the uh, children in small world were captured, right? That's that's how they really do that. It's not animatronics. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's what, according to Family Guy, I mean. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember, John, you mentioning that, and that did sound interesting because it seems like the one in Florida has had a harder time right after the Disneyland one opened. Yeah. So it's almost like they had a, less people working on fixing it or main, you know, making it better. There's probably a large group of folks that were involved in creating the attraction, and whenever the other one opens, you know they're going to have that main group there trying to make yeah. sure that one runs as smoothly as possible. And they probably didn't stretch the other one thin, you know. And you heard on the touring plans, right, that the theoretical max for this ride is like 2100 an hour, and they're going to call 1700 an hour normal. The one out in Disneyland, I think, is running at like 700 an hour right now. Yeah, yeah I think that seems to be the thing. Is like, are they able, are they going to be able to hit that number on a regular, consistent basis? Because right now it seems like, they're struggling, you know, to get the ride operating enough during the day to handle the boarding groups that they allot for. But we don't really know how many people that is yet, do we? What's going to be the Yeti of Rise of Resistance? The thing that's going to break and they're just going to be like, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to leave it. We're not going to be able to fix it for 20 years. The Kylo at the end thing. I don't know. He's just going to stand there. Like, I don't know. I don't see that happening. Has, has there been like a animatronic down in that ride? I mean, at any point, has I've heard reported? reports of times where there's animatronics not working and they're running them through. Pe- they're running people through it. Okay. Yeah, they go into B mode or just aren't moving. I don't know if you right. would notice very much if if uh, one of the fin animatronics was down. It would be kind of hard to notice because neither of them move that much. <laughs> I feel like the worst animation part of an, one of them is the Kylo Ren at the end where the explosion happens. He kind of just flails his arms around but doesn't really move his feet. So it's like, Rah! and then the thing falls in front of him. I could so, totally see him in, in B mode just totally like hung over right there. Right, just kind of standing there. But at first he's supposed to use the force to like pull your vehicle closer to him and then the thing. So I wonder what that B mode looks like. <laughs> Have you ever seen, anyway. I think we mentioned this before, but have you ever seen video of the B-mode for Elsa in Frozen Ever After? I think you've said, but I don't remember seeing the video. You told us. Yeah, so like she literally just does like a like a Miss America wave at you when you go back backwards. Like that's her B-mode pretty much. Does she move her mouth? Does the projection still work in B-mode? Uh, the project, the eyes still like, blink. But they, she did, does she... You move her mouth, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't remember Sorry. in the B mode that I saw. I mean, I don't remember seeing her mouth move. Okay. I want to see the B mode where they aren't able to project the faces and it's just a blank face. That would be creepy, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's something out there because I feel like I've seen. The only time I've been through stuff. there and seen something broken, it was Olaf. At the very beginning. Yeah, the first Olaf? Yeah. Yeah, the first Olaf has, I've seen, I guess, the B-mode for that, where he doesn't really move a whole lot. Well, the time I saw him, he was, when we came out, he was just, like, staring awkwardly at, at Sven the whole time that we drove, yeah. uh, floated by him, so. Yeah, I've seen that one not working as well. I can't remember what he's been doing, but, yeah. Funny well, stuff. All right. That, so, it's crowded. I think I saw even today, on Monday, there was, a, at one point, a 70-minute standby wait for Spaceship Earth. So, yeah. Yeah. Things, things are not slowing down. Or, just like Touring Plans has said, that Disney just starts to uh, 
lower capacity based on the crowds just to keep everything the same. Yeah, maybe maybe they're trying to do everything they can to keep people out of Epcot. They're like, what else do we need to do to get you to not come here? Go to World yeah. Showcase or nothing. We're trying to close down this park. We're rebuilding. Yes. I believe that during the slower times, they do they do take measures to make it seem consistent with the rest of the year, or closer to consistent with the rest the of the spaceship year. Spaceship Earth is at 70 minutes the rest of the year, though. That was today, you said? Yeah. At what point? They surely wasn't the whole day. Yeah. I don't know how you would lower capacity for Spaceship Earth either. <laughs> how do you lower capacity? You really can't. <laughs> there must have been something. I mean, you can make it slow it, it down. Yeah. <laughs> I guess to slow it down, but I don't know how you uh, lower you the that? capacity. I mean, yeah, there yeah. was. A, they were apparently making an impromptu masking tape line, and my favorite response to that on the report on Twitter was someone said, Masking tape? Think the Phoenicians. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So anyways, that that is our, our new segment. But we have an actual topic today. Surprising mm. everyone. An actual topic. <laughs> you mean it's not just random, random, not random just stuff? random. <laughs> we want to talk about fast passes. And this is yeah. because of the latest news that starting February the 19th, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run will now have fast pass options. I already have mine booked for my February trip. The new tiering system for Disney Hollywood Studios, Millennium Falcon, will be a tier one fast pass along with Slinky Dog Dash. Those are our two tier ones. Everything else at Hollywood Studios is a tier two, which makes a whole lot more sense than the all tier one system they were running before. This changes a lot. This this could have some big challenge implications. I think right now, there is no challenge completions because Rise of the Resistance is a challenge just to get to operate. But yeah, <laughs> otherwise, very interesting. Right. Well, let's take a minute for everyone listening, whether you're a FastPass expert or not, to kind of give a little bit of an overview of what it is and how do you, how, why you would use the FastPasses versus just standby. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while since we've done this. So we have an yeah. older episode with very poor audio quality on <laughs> yeah. what fast passes are. Um, we know this podcast ranges from those of you who are like me who do all the rides in one day to those of you who are looking to plan your next vacation. So mm-hmm. for those of you who are not as well versed in the fast pass system, there's a lot of great tips. Basically, fast pass is a system that allows you to not wait in the standby line and be guaranteed to go straight to the front of the line. Um, If everything's running smoothly, that means you get right on the ride, usually within about 5 to 15 minutes, depending on the ride and the load time. Um, And you're allowed three fast passes per day. That's free. So if you're used to going to other parks, Universal or whatnot, where you have to pay, you don't have to pay extra for the fast pass system. I get that all the time. Did you pay for fast pass? Fast right. passes included with your park ticket. So you get that for the day. You can book up to three fast passes okay. in advance, and that is all for the same park. Those fast passes have a one hour return window. That is when you book a fast pass, if you have a fast pass for say 9 a.m., it will be good for 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And that's saying you can come in at any time during that window, tap your magic band at the tur- at the tap point, and you're able to get in and go straight to the front of the line. 
after you use all three fast passes for the day, uh, you can go and immediately, once you tap in, you can go pull another one and you can continue to do that up until an hour before park close when they stop fast pass distribution for that park. And there is a grace period but before and after, a little bit of a grace period. So You can arrive technically five minutes before your fast pass window opens and it will you don't have to say anything it'll tap green or up to 15 minutes after your fast pass window if you're like say seven minutes early or 20 minutes late just walk up and be like i know i'm early or i know i'm late can i yeah. sorry and they'll usually beg let and you plead in. and do a dance i've literally had to do a dance for a fast pass before because uh, we were late uh past the 15 minutes yeah. yeah, and I've only had yeah. a few cast members who were sticklers and were like, no. Yeah. Otherwise, they're usually pretty forgiving on that. <laughs> and I'll tell this story really quick because Jason and I had this happen on one of the challenges where we were a couple minutes early and there was this one guy at Toy Story Mania that was just like, no. But then we noticed that he went on break and was relieved by another guy. And so we walked up to the other guy and we're like, hey, we know we're a little early. He was like, yeah, go ahead. So it really just depends. <laughs> Keep your eye on the cast members. So you basically yeah. just stalked it right there to say, oh, wait, there's, there's someone else that's changed. Let's, right. let's try it. Yeah, that guy was like, about to go on break. He was grumpy. He didn't want to let us in. Right. And then the other guy was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Come on in. <laughs> so you just never know. Just keep an eye on everything. You went from a Sith to a Jedi. <laughs> and if you were listening just now, you heard that we have these idea of tiers. So some parks have a tiered fast pass system. That is, you can only book one tier one fast pass in advance. These are usually the better rides or the newer yeah. rides. The more the popular, tier one. yeah. Those more guys. popular rides, if you will. So for instance, now at Hollywood Studios, there are two tier one rides, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and Slinky Dog Dash. That means in advance, you can only book one of those and your other two have to come out of the tier two fast pass selection. Now, one of the interesting things about fast pass is, is that you are allowed to get another tier one but only after you've exhausted your first three at the park you started at. So, for instance, if I start at Hollywood Studios and I have a Slinky Dog Dash, a Tower of Terror, and a Star Tours, only after I have tapped in for my third ride or my second Tier 2 am I able to book another Tier 1. However, if you start at another park, as soon as you've used your first Fast Pass at another park, you may now book a Tier 1 at other three parks that you had not started at immediately. So let's say your yeah. first fast pass is meet Mickey at Town Square Theater in Magic Kingdom, which is you know is not a tier one. You are immediately able, if you don't have any other fast passes, to make your next fast pass be Slinky Dog Dash, mm -hmm. or Flight of Passage, or any of the right. like Soarin' or something. There is no instance though where you can have multiple parks booked in advance unless you're staying club level or your club 33. So or if there's a glitch cuz I've had maybe you know some people have said that happens occasionally as a glitch but I yes. you know, don't guarantee that. <laughs> if you are staying club level and you want to spend a little bit extra money, I don't know what the current rate is on this, but you have the option to pay for an additional 3 fast passes per person per day to give you a total of 6 in advance. And those extra three do not have to be at the same park that you start at. So you can, you, and I don't think they follow the tier restriction. I've never paid for this. 
So I'm not sure about the tier restriction, but you basically get the extra. And if you follow our tips, you don't need to pay for this. You don't need to pay for the extra fast passes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention though was uh, after you've used the three, when you ca- you can book another one, but you have to do them one at a time. And That's so right. you book one, use it, then you book another one, use it, book another one, use it. Um, you can't just you know get a bunch more. You just one at a time, and you can only get another one after you've used the one you got after the first three. <laughs> Which then works out pretty good too. So there are yeah. There are two ways to basically book your fast pass, or three ways really. Uh, number one, uh, you can start booking 30 days in advance, or if you're staying on property or at one of the Disney Springs hotels, 60 days in advance. Usually you can do this mostly on the website, or you can also use the My Disney Experience app. So those are the two online ways to automatically book your fast passes. The third way is there are a few fast pass kiosks throughout the parks that you can use. They're basically the same experience as the website. If you have data, just use the website. There's, you know, only rare occasions where that's helpful. And that is whenever they break the FastPass system like they did on our (laughs) first run. And and the app was showing no more FastPasses available, but the kiosks were still working. Then we had to go to kiosks. Right. Or if you have to check and make sure you have a Soren or a test track. Right. Right, that happened on the other run we did on June 1st. Yes. Yeah. We, we kind of broke the system. Um, you're, <laughs> you're starting three. As I said, you have an hour window for most fast passes. There are a few fast passes that have tighter windows. Some of the shows have like a 15-minute arrival window right. for a specific yeah. show. There's some advantages if you're just trying to unlock fast passes for booking the 15-minute window because in advance, you cannot have any overlapping window times. So, for instance... If I book a 7 a.m. flight of passage, so 7 to 8 a.m., I cannot also book a 7.30 a.m. at Everest. The earliest I would be able to book Everest would be 8 a.m., which is at the end of the first window. So your first three cannot overlap on times. So if you're ever booking, like let's say you're booking your three, uh, you'll see when you're booking that it will allow you to book your first one and then your second one pop up for the day. It'll show you times that overlap, but if you try to do it, it'll make you drop the first one. So this gets us to our first tip. How many fast passes do you book in advance? Yeah. So how many do you usually book? Depends on the park. I don't think there's a one right answer really. Yeah. I think it just depends on what you want to do. Like for Magic Kingdom, I usually will do three for sure and try to get them as early as possible. Which is a good strategy. Yeah. Because you want to unlock the next next fast pass as fast as you can. Because once you unlock that, you start pulling fast passes as fast as you can tap into the turnstiles. Yeah. Because back in the day, I used to say like, oh, I got a seven dwarfs mine train at 6.30 p.m. I got a whole lot of this. And now I'm like, heck no, I would never, <laughs> I would never hold on to a fast pass that long if I got there at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to. Yeah. The only reason a... I would ever hold that in advance is if I'm like driving in, arriving at yeah. four, exactly, I would hold yeah. a 630 fast pass, but there's no yes. reason to do that unless yeah. you're coming in late. But so many people do that because, oh, I have the seven doors mine train. I need to keep it. But yeah, there's better ways to, to manage that. Only if you plan on modifying it, because... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't do that either, which we'll get into that, I'm sure. I know, because I used to do it before I realized 
how better, how much better <laughs> you could plan your day is, oh, I have this, I'm going to keep it because I don't want to risk losing it or anything else. So your day has to be planned around, yeah. uh, we'll do stuff in the morning and then I got to hang on and do whatever I can until this other fast pass. Well, I, I think I told it in my trip, trip report, but like I had the, we had the lunch at Cinderella's Royal Table and while we we're at lunch, you know, I was checking fast pass and I got a a little bit later mine train, but I kept modifying it until ultimately I got what I thought would be a time frame for when we're out that it would not be too long before it was available. And sure enough, it just, you know, just kept getting earlier and earlier. So yeah, when it was all said and done, it was the perfect timing. So, so that, that gets us to our next point. What John just said, that is the tap grab modify. So when you get to pulling fast passes, what we're saying is, is let's say you start with a time window of say, 2 to 3 p.m. You can continue to modify that time window. And as you modify it, people are dropping fast passes. There's also certain times of the day where Disney will release fast passes. So if you just keep looking, eventually fast passes will show up. And so you just keep refreshing and new fast passes will always appear. Don't take at face value the first thing you get when you look. Just keep refreshing. Refresh, refresh. And so the idea behind tap, grab, modify is as soon as you tap into your third ride, you tap in at the turnstile, immediately go and pull your next fast pass. That's the grab piece. Go in there and grab your next ride. And then, doesn't matter what time it is, just grab it and then try to modify the time forward. And usually by the time you get to the front of the fast pass queue or you make it to the ride, for most rides, especially the rides at Magic Kingdom, you usually have a fast pass for it. You don't have to wait in any lines. Yeah. I can say another example, I also pulled a, we were in queue at Kilimanjaro Safari and I managed to pull a flight of passage that was not going to be in a reason, in a time frame where I was still going to be over in that area. And uh, I just kept, once again, looking for better times and eventually got one that was perfect timing for when we got out of Kilimanjaro. So, Yeah. And just to clarify too, this is a same day strategy, the day that you're standing in the park Correct. strategy, because 30 days or six days in advance, you're not going to see a lot of movement in fast passes at all. You're this is a, a bit of a day before strategy too. Um, yeah. As you get yeah. closer to your vacation, so you, you book your 60 days out and it's pretty stable. As you get closer to your trip, a week out, five days out, one day out, yeah. fast pass start Starts moving change. again, because people who are in the parks they're going to be arriving before you or whatever may do a ride and will go and drop their fast passes for later, or they'll change their trip. Or there's times when people cancel their trips and Disney auto drops their fast passes because they've started doing this. If you book the 60 day out, um, but then change out of the hotel, then they drop all your early fast passes because you've now lost the 60 day privilege, even though it's within 30 days, they'll start dropping fast passes back into the pool. So like even the day before, there's a lot of fast pass movement, but usually it's during park hours, especially as you start to get towards the later hours of the day as people are starting to plan their next day. So it's not like in the middle of the night, a lot of changes are happening. It's while people are in the parks doing things. Yeah, Um, I was, I just thought of a tip that I think uh, is good for the 60 day window. And, um, I think it's sort of well known, but I, I'm, we haven't touched on it just yet. But say once you're in that 60 day window, 
you're able to book for your entire trip, whatever that trip is, right? So it's 60 days from your first day. However, if you're doing a 10-day trip, right, Mm -hmm. start with day 10 and work your way back because you're going to have better options that way. For sure, yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, because most, for the people who are also starting at that time, which it's at 7 a.m., 60 days before your first day, um, not everybody's going to have a 10-day trip or a 9-day trip or 8-day trip, so they're only booking for three days or four days. Um, or they s- think they can only book for the first day because that's the only day that's 60 days out. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, a lot of people will do that, yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll screw that up. So um, you just get on there, you book what's best, and the strategy at that point is really, unless you have like a specific itinerary in mind, just book the A-listers. Deal with it later book the A-listers on your 60-day mm-hmm. window. And then when you get there, you can change your mind. You don't have to ride the A-listers. You might modify. You might change. I've dropped, at this point, fast passes to all sorts of rides, uh, every ride imaginable. I've not done a Flight of Passage fast pass because, eh, well, that didn't work into it. And I've gotten Flight of Passage same day many, many times. Um, so just book the A-listers and then deal with it later. That's what we always do. Yeah, that's a good idea. The other question is, is what is the what is the reason not to book three in advance? And so I want to point out a little tip that you may that maybe even some seasoned fast pass veterans may not realize. And that is when you're booking your three fast passes, like I said, and you're as you're building them up for the day, it shows you times that overlap with your existing fast passes as you're booking your first, second and third fast pass. This allows you to say, oh, well, I booked that one, but I actually like this time for this one better and allows you to drop that one and replace it with a new one. However, once you've booked all three fast passes and you chose to try to modify any of them, when you go to modify them, they do not offer you any of the times that would overlap with existing fast passes if you have three already booked. So what this does is this actually blocks you out of seeing some potential fast passes. For instance, if you're like trying to modify your Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and you would be happy with your Mine Train replacing your, I don't know, Haunted Mansion, um, then if you have three booked, you're actually blocking yourself out of time. So on my July 4th trip, I actually started out with three fast passes at Magic Kingdom that went 8 to 9, 9 to 10, and 10 to 11. And I actually intentionally went in and changed my 10 to 11 to a 10.05 to 11.05 just to give myself even a little bit more window to fit a fast pass there in the middle. It's just you, if you're going to have three and you have them stacked, you're really limiting yourself if you're trying to still modify something. If you're happy with your three, mm-hmm. that's great. But if you have only two, then you have a lot more flexibility to work with. And a lot of times you only really need your A-listers at some parks. Like at, say... I don't know. Well, with Hollywood Studios, things are changing a little bit. There's more tier twos, but it used to be that you, you only really needed two at Hollywood Studios, right? Really, right. you really don't need that many at Animal Kingdom to start with either. You just need your flight of passage and maybe your safari, safari. time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, gosh, even Epcot right now, you probably don't have to have, uh, but two. Um. In Magic Kingdom, yeah, I mean, you can get almost anything during the day in Magic mm-hmm. Kingdom. So, 
Speaking of yeah. same-day fast passes, haven't you guys found, I mean, I think we've kind of discussed it a little bit here and there, isn't it seem kind of random as to which one's the hardest one to get each trip? It doesn't seem to be any consistency, does it? It depends on a lot of factors. So for a while last year, Tower of Terror was the hardest fast pass to get, but they were running at half capacity, mm. right? Right, because um, of the refurb. There are times where uh, fast passes for, say, Haunted Mansion just seem unreasonably hard to get. When I was there a week ago, I couldn't pull Mission Space to save my life. And that's usually one that, that drops. Sometimes Spaceship Earth is the killer for me. And it depends on the crowd pattern and also the breakdowns. So it used to be that when a bride broke down, they continued fast pass distribution. That is no longer the case. As soon as a ride is in breakdown mode in the app, fast pass distribution stops. This is because everybody that has a fast pass during the window gets their fast pass converted to a multi-experience fast pass. That is, you can ride any ride of that tier, including the ride that you booked. Well, it's that ride plus any of the tier two rides typically um, that you booked anytime later in the day. So now they've stopped it to where you can't try to play that system where you're saying, Oh, I know a tough to be a bug is down. Let me book one for five minutes from now. Cause I know I can get it. So I can get that, get that converted mm-hmm. into a multi that I can use to go ride Everest. So they stop fast pass distribution. So if there's a yeah. ride that breaks down, then those fast passes become really hard to get later in the day because now they've lowered the distribution. They've got a lot of people returning in the fast pass line and that really starts to back things up. Yeah. That's why I think the fast pass distribution changes. So if I was to say right now, I can't speculate entirely right now because we haven't seen the February 19th new patterns, but hardest to pull at each park, I would say seven doors mine train at Magic Kingdom remains the hardest to pull. I would say that at Epcot, the hardest to pull sometimes is Frozen, but not always. Persistence at Frozen pays off. And one of my tips on that is, is that later in the day Epcot, Fast Pass has become like a desert, especially during festival time. What you want to do is you want to get it to Epcot a little bit earlier in the day before the festival goers start showing up for their walk around the world and dinner. Cause fast passes seem to be more plentiful at Epcot during the day because people are really late arrivers into Epcot. It's either the people coming early in the day to ride the rides or people coming later to, to, to eat, to, to eat and, and ride <laughs> yeah. a few rides. Right. Right. So, eat and drink. And so ride. sometimes frozen is not that hard to get. It just depends on sort of the, the festival atmosphere right now. Epcot's just hard to do because there's nothing open and it's annoying. Uh, yeah. So it's hard to get around Epcot right now. Hollywood studios. I think the hardest fast pass at the moment is slinky dog. There was a while where it was tower of terror. There was also a time when it was rock and roller coaster. Um, but right now it's slinky yeah. dog. We're going to be interested to see how this changes once Falcon smugglers. Yeah. Yeah. It gets in there. I still think Slinky Dog will be the difficult one because Smugglers has single rider line. And this is one of the reasons that Test Track, even though it's a hard to get fast pass, is not that big of a priority. Because if you can deal with single rider, you could just ride single rider for not that much longer than a fast pass. Especially right. if you consider pre-show. Yeah, if you have older kids or if you're doing a challenge or something, <laughs> yeah, single rider is fine. But you know, younger kids and stuff, you've got to rely on the fast pass. But Right. And so that's Epcot. And then 
Animal Kingdom, Flight of Passage is still, of course, the hardest fast pass to get. Although there are, uh, if you're persistent, it's become a lot easier to get. Sometimes I would say Safari is almost harder to get because it just gets so popular at certain times of the day. Yeah, I would say later in the day gets harder. Yeah. See, my experience was that I could get anything I wanted except for Slinky Dog. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much the experience I ran into. I got yeah. literally everything I wanted except for Slinky Dog. So. Well, it just, like I said, depends on the yeah. how many people, too. So, for instance, when I was there for my challenge in September, uh, the day before, I was, you know, roaming Epcot and Hollywood Studios, and I got on the um, boat from Epcot, uh, from the Back of World Showcase, over to Hollywood Studios, and I was just spamming Slinky Dog refresh 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 uh, from when i got on the boat and by the time i pulled into port at hollywood studios i had a slinky dog fast pass and i just walked in and rode it but that was for one person something i just considered um maybe our my disney experience app is listening to us just like our phones do (laughs) maybe they are like they know they know what it is you want the most and it's like screwing with us they're like oh really you want this fast pass okay maybe we should be silent and see what happens (laughs) It's beta testing for the Disney Genie. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing to point out is since you're talking about the My Disney Experience app, when you pull a fast pass, you in the yeah. app you have two options once you've pulled it. You have two ways you can change it. You can either change the time of your fast pass or you can change the attraction. If you choose change the time, it gives you this weird looking screen where you pick which hour you want and they show you new options just for that ride. If you choose change the attraction, it's going to show you every attraction except the one you have already and available times. It used to be that they would these were sort of combined, and it still is on the website. Yeah. That is the better way to do it. And so once if you're trying to modify a fast pass, just use the website on your phone. Don't even bother with the app. The app is broken. It's garbage. The update was stupid. Um, um, is yeah. rolling back the app still an option? It is an option. There's reports that you can still get a boarding group in the older app, but I don't think that's, you know, that's advice is not going to hold forever. If you're listening to this podcast past, you know, now right. you never know. Yeah. Right. You just never well, know. Well, I mean, it's eventually, I mean, the version is eventually going to just go away, I'm sure. So. Yeah. I'm not even sure how you'd roll it back. There's apparently a way. I mean, there's a way to roll it back. Yeah. But yeah, the the problem with the modifying a difficult ride on the app is like I did this. I did it through the app during the Christmas trip I talked about. And so I did Space Mountain where I grabbed. But, you know, right after Christmas, Space Mountain is very scarce. You know, you get one or two every 20 times you refresh maybe. And um, so I was I grabbed one, but of course you hit modify on the app, and it's like, oops, sorry, there's no more available. So you just have to go out and then go back into the modify it to try again to refresh the see if something comes up before you can refresh without having to go back and forth. Uh, so it's 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 not great. Well, the app is terrible. But if you're in the website, you can just. Even if there's nothing available, refresh. you just keep hitting the times and it'll just let you. Right. And it'll refresh. It'll just keep yeah. refreshing. Now, that said, you know, 
I think that some people are like, why do I have to go to the website and the app? Why don't I just use the website? You could just do everything in the website. Um, you could. There's yeah. some upsides to having the app because, you know, the wait times are integrated in there and some of your other plans and, and that kind of thing um, is helpful. Yeah, I honestly liked using the app. The only problem is, you know, like I said, modifying a, a ride that doesn't have a lot of FastPass availability makes it very difficult to modify it. But once you find that one time that shows up, even if it's like 11 p.m., uh, you can rehit the button over and over to refresh the time. And then once a better time shows up, you, you can grab it. So, yeah, that it's just if you're ever also yeah. in there and it tells you there are no fast passes available at that park. Just, just refresh it. Yeah. It does that sometimes where it'll just be like, magic. Right. it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And they're like, Magic Kingdom's done for the day. And yeah. you're like, no, it's That's not. That's true. It's not done for the day. <laughs> this tends to happen a lot on party days in the fall and uh, you know Christmas and Halloween party days because the parks usually close at 6. So if it's like 2 or 3 in the afternoon, sometimes it is full for a minute. And, you know, just keep... Like Jason said, refresh and Magic Kingdom will light up again at some point because you'll get a Dumbo or a Teacups Fast Pass, if anything, if nothing else. I'm curious if you've ever noticed this behavior because I have spent probably more time at the parks refreshing Fast Passes than riding rides. So <laughs> yes. I know a lot about what the, the patterns look like. You notice you'll do a refresh and you'll see a lot of the yeah. same rides over and over and over again. You know, the, the common yep. ones that are always available, you know, you got your Philhar yeah. Magics, you got your, and then all of a sudden you'll do a refresh and it will be all sorts of different rides for like one, yes. one refresh. And then it'll yep. go back to the crappy and rides again. But like, yes, you get yeah. one good pull and it's like, Oh, I got all these choices right now. What do I pick? Right. And then you probably already tapped. It, the way I always did it was when something good showed up, I had I was just already in tap mode, so I just kept tapping and oh, bye, <laughs> kept going right. on bye. So that happened to me on my Hollywood Studios day in December. I I tapped away three <laughs> Slinky Dogs, and I was telling you guys that uh, before I got Slinky, I tapped it away three different times because I was just too busy tapping, 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 and I was expecting Slinky to show up number one, but it doesn't always show up number one depending on what other rides show up well they usually group them by tiers and the top right tier one back then was alien swirling saucers exactly so now it's still not going to be the top because (laughs) millennium falcon smugglers run is going to be an m which comes before s exactly so yeah there you have it so make sure you look and of course there were so many tier ones back then that you had to scroll down sometimes to even see them all so uh, That's yeah. one of the benefits on point. Animal Kingdom is that it's Avatar Flight of Passage. So <laughs> yeah. it stays at the <laughs> that top. That does help. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's <laughs> the best part. When it shows up, you know it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that uh, Avatar Flight of Passage does drop Navi. Also, if you just refresh, you'll get a yeah. Navi. Uh, yeah. Navi shows up a lot. Yeah. It's not like the easiest to get obviously it's still a tier one but it does show up and that's the one pretty that's the one that adam looks for the most <laughs> the other thing you'll notice mm, is you'll be yeah. sitting there discouraged and you'll see maybe a lot of fast passes like say you're looking for jungle cruise 
Jungle Cruise will be sitting there, and let's say it's maybe 1 o'clock in the afternoon. You're getting close to 1. You're after yeah. lunch. You're looking at Jungle Cruise. You'll see 6.30, 6.30, 7, 7, 7, 7. It's like 12.58, boom, 1 p.m. will pop up. Because for yeah. like two minutes before a time window opens up, a lot of times somebody drops it or they're getting on another ride. And they're like, I'm not going to make it for whatever reason. Boom, it's available and you can yeah. get right on. They're at Skipper Canteen uh, eating lunch and like, ah, I got to drop this fast pass for uh, Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. So a lot of times it when it pops up, it's like now. It's like this fast pass is now. Yeah, it does happen. All right, I, th- I was thinking of this the whole time we've been doing this, so I want to, I guess, go ahead and throw it out there. With the addition of Smuggler's Run, what do you guys think the impact, if any, will be on the, well, patterns, we'll say, that people have found in the tiers? Do you think it's going to change them all up, or do you think it's going to just, are they, are they going to stay the same? Any opinions on that? I think we're going to go back to a little bit about how it was before they changed it. So in the when they first opened Spuggler's Run, the tier ones were Toy Story Land, and then everything else was tier two, right? Yeah. And with tier ones being Toy Story Land, the obvious for top tier was Slinky Dog, right? And so yeah. most people would, if you were smart, you would either rope drop Slinky or that would be your fast pass, and then you would go do the tier twos and unlock the rest of Toy Story Land and, and finish it off. I think it's going to be similar now. I think it's going to be your tier ones are still Slinky Dog or Smuggler's Run. And if you're with a family, um, you want to get a fast pass for Smuggler's Run. If you're with older kids or with your by yourself, you don't want to get the Smuggler's Run. You want to get Slinky Dog because you can single rider it. And so that takes care of your tier one. And then the rest of the tier twos are in a nice little pool. And it'll probably be about like the patterns were before. Plenty of Star Tours. Probably plenty of Swirling Saucers. Mania will show up. It won't be as easy. It won't show up every time, but there's so much capacity there. It'll show up. And then I think it just depends on the season for the Sunset Boulevard rides, the, uh, you know, roller coaster. And, and well, I was, I was more or less thinking that with the addition of another ride to the FastPass Plus system, what are the odds that the drops will be adjusted or change? I or think main- when they re- release same-day fast passes, is going to adjust. And I think the best way to do that is if you are thinking about a trip, just start pulling. Just start, you know, sit there and just practice pulling for a later day. And you'll see there's certain times of the day that it tends to, the best fast passes just tend to show up. And just keep keep track and note that down. Yeah. Keep trying at different intervals and see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting, too, when Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway opens. Are they going to open it with Fast Pass? Or are they going to do like they've done lately, where they just do standby for a certain period of time? I'm curious if that, that their decision is based on a let's try standby only, or if it's a reliability-based decision. Because I'm feeling like yeah. we're not going to see Fast Pass for Rise of the Resistance anytime soon, because... They're not operating it reliably enough. Yeah, no, not not. Yeah, yeah but not at all. Smuggler's Where, Run's been reliable since day one, and they didn't. Yeah, open up. yeah. I think because it was somewhat different, they just wanted to try out what the patterns look like. Is all I'm going to say. You know, they wanted to see what the capacity looks like, the flow, uh, and the, I think since it was the only ride for a little while, they had this assumption that it was going to draw like a Rise of the Resistance level 
crowd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. they thought it was going to be maybe a little more popular than it was. Uh, I don't know. I'm personally think this is the new Disney. I think that they're going to open all their new attractions with no fast pass for a time period that might vary depending on how it goes. But I feel like that's what they're, I think that's going to be standard going forward, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, it is interesting that they announced this smugglers run and two weeks after the 19th of February, that's when runaway railway is supposed to open. So they didn't say anything about that yet. So I would guess it's not going to start with fast pass because they should have already mentioned it. If it was going to start with boarding groups, I sure hope they don't do boarding groups. Boarding groups are (laughs) the stupidest system ever. It's so terrible. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get what they're doing when they made it the lottery, but at the same time, the person that got there at 12 a.m. or whatever could be in the same boat as the person that got there at 6 or 7 or 8 even. <laughs> or it could even end up worse. Yeah, in my group's case, you know, I was there at 5.15 in the morning. And the my group got in the park at 5.57. And we all got on at the same time because, you know, we're all together. But I was there an, almost an hour before they were and... No advantage to that whatsoever. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like the people who are willing to do that should earn something, in my opinion. So I think right. so, too. I think it's weird that Disney is taking a new stance. They have always been a park that is if you're first, you get to ride first. Yeah. It's always been a first, you know, even in the days of first no, come, first serve. no standby, there was no skipping, supposed, supposed to be. You get in line, you're the first there, you get to ride it. There's advantages to rope drop. There is the, if you are early enough to get the fast pass, if you are on there 60 days in advance, you can get the fast passes you want, you will get to ride, and you don't have to wait in line. The same thing is here is that people that get there early, there's no incentive to get there early, and in fact, there's no way to plan your day, because even if you have everything meticulously planned out, you have no guarantee you're going to even get a boarding group, much less one that works in your schedule, like and then it doesn't even run. If I sound yeah. bitter, it's because I didn't get to ride the ride, even though I <laughs> drove all through the night, got there way early, and did Yeah. Yes. It's terrible system. It should go away in the Rise of the Resistance lottery. What if? Yeah. What if they did something, still had boarding groups, but it was similar to Fast Pass Plus and that you didn't have to be there to get in a boarding group? Then it's Fast Pass. They would be better or worse. Well, it's still done in boarding group. It's not because they're they're limited. Well, now people but, all over the country will just do it and <laughs> right, and then hold the boarding groups hostage and say, "Hey, I'll uh, release my group if you pay me fifty bucks or whatever." Okay. Well, maybe they can find know. a way to maybe lim- maybe uh, limit it to where you have to be at least be on property or something. I don't know. You, have to, you at least have to be at your hotel. There could be a system for that. I don't know. Yeah, that would be uh, neat if you, if you just you know like the next day the only way you could get it is if you were actually already checked in at the maybe a resort or something that would be a good way to do it. But what they should do is restrict it to where only the guest experience team can book you the boarding group, and that way first come first serve you you get in line first. You're first in line for the guest experience team. Yeah, I mean you could just set up a. Kiosk. A kiosk where, <laughs> like, where when you go in, when the park opens, you can do the standard rope drop procedure where everybody sort of sh- pushes and shoves, and then you 
funnel people down into a line, and at the end of the line is a place where you tap your magic band, and it puts you in line. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> something like that. As long as, you know, they, I, I think they'd probably be worried about people, like, fighting and and kicking and punching each other uh, well, if people, to get ahead like, in line. Well, it, there's like that, but, I mean, look at Flight of Passage. Yeah, it's pushing, there's some elbows, but or, if you know what you're doing, you know if you're in the first, whatever, hundred or so people, you're in the first theater, it's fine. Right. Or how about just when you tap into the park? You know, if you tap into the park, you're... Well, of course, I guess not everybody who taps in wants to do that. But if you show up at 5 o'clock in the morning, chances are you want to ride rides of distance. But My thought... Well, that was the thing I had promoted is that, like, when you tap in, you're assigned an order. And so... But you're opting in. You have, like, 15, 20 minutes to opt in before they you're out of a out of luck and if your other party enters within a certain amount of window you can join up right um yeah so it makes yeah in my case though yeah i guess eh, it depends because i i tapped in like 45 minutes before the i'm talking about if this is this is your order if everybody gets in you know yeah you that yours would be a special case where you would probably have to go with the you would get penalized and you would have to go with the later people. Right. If you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, the majority would be, you know, later. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they could just make a reliable ride and run it like every other ride <laughs> and it would be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's complicated. Well, I mean, it's only the most technologically advanced. It's extremely complicated ride, so I get it. I don't know if it's ever going to run, like, at if ever. peak optimal, you know. Well, I mean... They've had some high maintenance type rides before, and uh, they just didn't last because they ended up having to change them because they were yeah. high maintenance. I don't know. I don't see that. I don't see that happening with this just because yeah. of what it is. But they have had that happen plenty. Like old Epcot. I mean, that's the main reason why a lot of the original attractions weren't there was just because of how much it cost yeah. to keep them up and no sponsors like sponsorships. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Stuff like the money that. for maintenance so, went down the tubes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once upon a time, they got just about everybody except for Disney yeah. to pay for their rides. <laughs> I want to see a time period with no boarding groups, no fast pass. Just see what the queue yeah. would look like with none of that. <laughs> I just want to yeah. see it. <laughs> I don't think they want you to see it because they're worried that it's going to make news, national well, news. What they're doing right now is almost like damage control in a yeah. way. It's not still getting it's still getting its uh, negative negativity, obviously. We, but it's mostly within the Disney community, not like, you know, nationwide. Like, this is terrible. Yeah, I think it's people who go to Disney. Like, I want to try to put myself in the shoes of someone who goes once in their life or once every few years or you've waited for Galaxy's Edge to go for a couple of years and you haven't been... And you show up, and I mean, it's just so disheartening that you're, like, your whole day is, I'm riding Rise of the Resistance. Hmm. I still... Everything else has to go around that. I still think they're overestimating a little bit the number of people that are eager to get into even this. I mean, I... Well, there's a bit of a FOMO right now. Because of the way they're doing it, they're inflating demand. I think if they ran a... Even if they ran the regular standby queue, like you're saying, John... There would not be, like, what they're saying right now is that there are enough people showing up to create a 14-hour wait for the ride. 
That is not going to happen if you put a standby queue. At some point, people are like, I'm not waiting in that. And that yeah. tipping point would probably be somewhere between three to five hours. Right. And so it's going to be like a flight of passage line. At some point, someone's going to be like, yeah, I'm not going to wait in that. Right. I'll just, and, and, and they'll do what I did before I knew how Disney World worked on my first few trips. I didn't even ride flight of passage. I'm like, I'll just get that on another trip when the lines aren't so bad. And I'll, cause I'm new to Disney and I'll just ride all the other stuff I've never seen before. People will be okay with that. Just, but it won't, it won't be a 12 hour line. It just won't people. It'll self-regulate. And prior to knowing exactly how to use the fast pass system to its maximum capability, touring plans app came in handy because there would be time periods when the posted weight would be extremely different than the what they had as their weight what they came up with and usually they were right Mm -hmm. i give an example of the very first time i rode seven doors mine train it was posted 60 touring plan said it was 25 and that they were actually right (laughs) Mm -hmm. well that was late in the day wasn't it yeah it was. Yeah. They always just saying, them. There's moments like that, fluctuations throughout the day, like what Jason was talking about. Someone sees the the, the line is getting so long, and they opt not, and then there there becomes this gap where it kind of gets lower. Yeah. But you know, the, the main reason they're not doing the standby and rise of the resistance is they would have to dump that queue every thirty minutes when the breaks down. So. Right. And that's that's what I was about to say is that's why they don't do it because if it is first come first serve you're gonna have ten thousand people just standing in front of Rise of the Resistance waiting for it to come back up and you won't be able to walk through Galaxy's Edge because everyone is just waiting for to stampede the ride when it comes back up. Yeah, and I I'm I'm kind of like you though I don't know that this is ever going to be all that reliable. They're making they're gonna have to do something on a regular basis because I don't think it's ever going to be that reliable. Yeah, there's just too much, too many things going on <laughs> that have to work in sync. Yeah, I mean, they can get it to a point where the fixes are like every other ride. A lot of other rides have minor breakdowns, but they last short times and they don't dump the queues, right? Uh, and and that's what it's going to end up being is they're going to be like, well, it's a 15-minute breakdown. You can stand in the queue. And people do that. Even when they dump the queues on other rides, people just are like, no, I'll wait. Yeah. Do you fix it? I'll just stand here. I'm just still Uh, waiting on the day that Everest goes down for uh, refurbishment. Just to fix the Yeti. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't think it's gone down for like any length of time since it started. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think, I mean, for the longest time they couldn't afford to because it was like the only attraction that, you know, kept people coming to Animal Kingdom to start with. Yeah. But now they at least have more options. You would think they'd have an option to take it down for a little while. I don't know. If it went down, it would still. There's. I don't know. You'd you'd avoid that whole side of the park most most likely. You just saying you would avoid Asia. Yeah. I mean, especially if you took, you'd have to not take it down when Kali's down for its annual maintenance either, because there's nothing to do over there. If that's the case, you just yak shut down Yeti. Asia. <laughs> right. <laughs> just eat it, Yak and Yeti. Just just shut down Asia for a season. Right. In the winter. I guess so. Just close it off. Yeah, they, they should shut down Asia right now just, you know, to keep in yeah, line with the rest of the parks. Right, <laughs> right because of the uh, coronavirus. Yeah, all the other parks, Asia parks, are <laughs> shut down. Just to make it true to uh, real life. Uh, 
That's terrible. So are we going to do some strategies here? I thought we were going to do like a... Yeah, do we have time for a little bit of strategy? Not really, but okay. <laughs> let's just try it. Let's just do... Let's, rather than doing what we're going to do, which is like different times of the day, let's just go over some overall strategies for each part. Okay. So, so for Magic Kingdom, I would say if you're pulling fast passes, it's pretty obvious what's the good ones. The mountains, the three yeah. mountains are good choices, and Seven Doors Mine Train are solid choices. Solid backups are... Peter Pan. Yeah. Although I will point out, we made a mistake of holding a Peter Pan our first challenge. Later yeah. in the day, Peter Pan's become available. Yeah. If you're going to be there at night. There's there's good drops of Peter Pans. Yeah, there are. It's not hard to get. Or a rope dropping pan actually is pretty pretty slow too. Yeah. Haunted yeah. Mansion, I think, is not a bad pickup for a, an opening fast pass because there are times Haunted Mansion is a hard mm -hmm. pull, especially if it's having a bad day. Because yeah. they'll stop, they'll stop distributing them, and then it just becomes really hard to get one. And that fast pass queue can back up too. Yeah. So, so those are the ones that I would go with. If you're on a party day, you actually can get a lot done. You just want to go early because people don't go to Magic Kingdom on party days unless they're going to the party, and those party people don't usually start showing up till later. You have some of the people who are like pass holders showing up, you know, early afternoon. And then the actual party people can, can usually come in two hours before the party. Yeah. So do the rope. I, the, the, at Magic Kingdom, just always do the rope. At the rope, yeah. you can you don't you don't need fast passes for the mountains on the rope. You can ride Thunder and Splash at rope four With times. No weight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zero weight. Yeah. A lot of people, of course, head straight to Fantasyland or you know Space Mountain. That tends to be the the ones that go right yep. before those two. If you're going during the cooler months, people tend to avoid rides like Splash as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You don't usually need as much of a fast pass during some of the cooler months, especially at night. Splash is wide open when the sun goes yeah. down in the cooler yeah. months. That's true. All the um, time. So if you're, if you're booking in advance, go with the early mornings. The other one that I will point out is if you really want to meet Mickey, that is a... That is one to go ahead and, and pick. That's true. Not always easy to get. Not always easy to get. Sometimes I had it's to, there. I had but... to get creative on that one that one time. <laughs> yes, I know you did. Yeah, you were pulling individual fast passes for everybody and then merging them together. Which... Right. So if you have a large party of like eight, you don't need to pull all eight at once. Just pull one to two people at a time and just try to get them overlapping times. Yeah. I did that a lot when I had a group of ten people that were pulling I was pulling fast passes for I would break them into groups of five each or four or two or three at a time depending on what ride it was I, Space Mountain I was doing groups of two or three at a time and then modifying them down to overlap as best I could and uh, I got everybody on it but it was you know I had to do them in small groups so any other fast pass tips for Magic Kingdom before we go to the next one Mm, that's about it. I think it's way more plentiful. It's like the easiest at Magic Kingdom. So it's a great day when you know what yeah. you're doing. The fast passes, you're a hero. That's true. And you might even get to ride all the rides in one day, right? Yeah. You, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna have to play by a few extra rules with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because when we're with a family, like every ride, I pull fast passes building in the natural bathroom break snack break that happens after every single ride it seems like <laughs> yeah yes well i think you easily with a family of 
I don't know, a group of 10, you could still probably do every ride at Magic Kingdom in a day. Almost all you of them. You need to get people pass. booking it to get all of them. Yeah, I think you could do it, though. I got everyone on 14 rides, and we left at 6 p.m. In the park. Did you shove them on the Main Street vehicles? I did not do that, no. <laughs> but I could I mean, I could have. They were out that morning. We just didn't get on them. All right. Epcot. Yes. Or no. Epcot's next. I would say my overall is that if you're pulling in advance, Frozen is a priority or Test Track. I would say if you have someone like my son who loves Test Track, my first priority is always Test Track over Frozen. If you're going to ride Single Rider, though, just ignore Test Track. You don't need it. Go right. Frozen all the way. You have to pick, by the way, the Tier 1s are Frozen, Soren, and Test Track. Soren is almost always available throughout the day. In fact, for instance, I rope dropped Soren last week, and by the time I got to the front of the rope drop queue, I had pulled a Soren that I could have used right then. So it's a totally <laughs> different animal since they increased the capacity. Yeah, it really is. But it still has like the slowest load time almost of right. any ride. I rope dropped it, and it still took me like. 30 minutes to get on the thing because I got to the main load area. It, it takes so stinking long to load that ride. It annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> yes. It is a very slow load. And nine times out of 10, somebody will forget the stuff they put in their bin underneath the seat and they have to go back for it or something at some point. Yeah. So you'll notice slow. that spaceship earth is a sometimes tough fast pass to pull. It is. Yeah. Just think about what the, crowds would do naturally and try to go against that Mm -hmm. people tend to get in line for spaceship earth when they walk into the park right right first thing we see so pick a time in between when the first crowds come and when the dinner crowds come and go ride spaceship earth then and you should be fine yeah like one in the afternoon is usually a great time i started to say or just enter in through international gateway and then work your way back so yeah that's a good idea too (laughs) Mission space is sometimes difficult, but if you're riding green, most days you don't even need it for fast pass. Epcot is one of those where I think you only really need to start with two or any. I've I've done Epcot where I walked in with zero fast passes and still rode everything Um, with my family, not on a challenge day. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I guess it depends on the day, but if you get there earlier, you have a better chance of getting just about everything. You know, the the one thing about pulling the test track fast pass is like you, you may get a good time. You're like, all right, it's about to be time for and my fast pass down. and then it breaks down. Well, as long as you're holding it, you can get the multi experience, which right. is key for getting. Which is always good. So it is good. Yeah. In that regard, I would always have a test track fast pass because you just never know. Assuming that it actually gets back running before the park closes, which is the experience I had. So. Well, in the summer, that usually happens because the, the, the storms roll out and then they'll open it for a while. Yeah. Although this new software update that they're currently doing as we're recording this, is going to fix everything. It's going to fix right. everything. Yeah. I was going to say, this is the good example for what we were talking about earlier. If you want to see that Rise might can become more reliable, just look at Test Track. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> Still unreliable. All right, so that's Epcot. Let's go to Animal Kingdom next. Um, yeah. Obviously, Flight of Passage and Kilimanjaro Safaris, we said those are your priorities. 
Everest is not that hard to pull unless it's a super busy day. Dinosaur is easy to get same day. Navi, again, is easier to get. And you only have two tier ones. You have Flight of Passage and Navi, and it's better to just get Flight of Passage. Don't even bother with Navi. Just get that same day. Yeah. Agreed. Or if you should you're roping, in the Navi queue. Yeah. If you're roping Animal Kingdom, you can rope drop. If you're on the very front of the rope, you can rope drop Flight of Passage and get onto Navi before most people have even gotten on Flight of Passage, and you can get right. both of those done within like 10 minutes of the park being open. Yeah. Not easy to do with small kids because you could get trampled. <laughs> but uh, if, you know, you could, you could do it. It's doable. Right. So that is the 100% doable. I will say that Safari gets really backed up right before dinner, right at twilight. Yeah. If you go, if you go just a little bit later, you can get Safari, but that's really late in the day. Yeah. Early morning is the best time to ride it anyway. Yeah. But if, if you rope drop flight, you know, the, the pattern is flight of passage, Navi, and then go do Safari, you probably don't have a long wait for Safari by then anyway. Still, yeah. it's building, but you might might not have a bad wait. It just depends on how fast you walk between the rides. Right. And now on to our final park, which we've talked about at length, Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. Fast Pass strategy is, of course, I would prioritize Slinky Dog myself unless you're roping it. If you're rope drop, go to Slinky Dog and hold your your smuggler's run. Yeah. If you have a Slinky Dog, your option is to rope drop smuggler's run or single rider it, I feel like. Until we know better about the drop patterns for smuggler's run. Yeah. Or there's also the possibility that it's not going to have that long of a line. Just saying. Right. I feel like Smuggler's Run's line is going to go down at some point, maybe once they fix the boarding group thing. I think the only reason Smuggler's Run has had such a long line is because they have all these people in the park. They're just like, well, I guess we'll go ride Smuggler's Run. Right. Yeah. It's like, we got to do something. <laughs> right. They get in their boarding group, and then they just go to Smuggler's Run because it's the only other thing Star wars need to do when you're in that Star Wars mood first thing in the but morning. But before they open Rise of the Resistance, Smuggler's Run... You can go any time of the day and single <laughs> yeah. rider it in under 30 minutes. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. True. Yeah. Outside of the, the first couple of weeks, I don't think it got over an hour. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I really don't. Because it's yeah. not worth the two hour waits it's getting now. I, I would not wait that long for that ride. Yeah. No, not at all. I think, though, you know, between the two of those, Slinky Dog or Smuggler's Run, they're very different. So you got to think about who's your group. Are they going to want to do the Slinky Dog kind of roller coaster or Toy Story themed things or Star Wars? That's, you know, very different things. So we'll see. I would consider myself a bigger Star Wars fan than I am a Toy Story fan, but I find overall all more enjoyment out of Slinky Dog than I do Smuggler's Run. Yeah. Well, if you've never done it, though, if you're a group of people coming for the first time or haven't been to either one of these rides, what would you, if they're a big Star Wars fan, would you rather them do Smuggler's Run then? If they're a big Star Wars fan, that's what they're going to choose anyway. I mean, right, right. probably. If you're the only coming once and you want to have a Hollywood Studios day where you do everything, your strategy is get to the park early, get lined up at the rope for Slinky, pull your boarding group, rope drop Slinky. Yeah. Then you hold your Smuggler's Run. So you walk in with fast passes for Smuggler's Run, yeah. Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster. 
right. and then you go rope drop slinky, ride saucers, ride mania, use your three fast passes. When you're done with that, pull your star tours and you're done. You've ridden everything. Yeah. And you ride your rise of the resistance whenever your boarding groups gets called, if ever. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, yes. So that is that is the strategy. It's not that hard to ride everything at Hollywood Studios if you're willing to rope drop. If you're not willing to rope drop, you're basically banking on a slinky to drop. Yeah, at some point <laughs> during the day, yeah. So okay, so we've we've talked about how fast passes work. We've talked yeah. about how they're changing, some strategies. I think there's a lot that can be done if you just Go in with some confidence. Just trust the system. Keep hitting the app. I know that doesn't sound like fun, but it can be. It's kind of like playing a slot machine. There's a lot of like endorphins or something that gets released when you get that perfect fast pass, and then you'll get addicted. It's like, why am I still putting quarters in this machine? Just go for it. You don't have to do it the whole day. You don't unless you're running the challenge. You just do it when you're in a line, or do it when you're not doing anything else. Just keep refreshing. And then once you have what you need, you can put the phone away until you're done with the next ride. So just keep refreshing. Use some of these strategies. Let Rope Drop be your friend. And you'll have a good day. You'll get everything done. No lines. I do not wait in line at Disney World. That is for amateurs. All right. So do we have anything else to uh, to add in? Uh, what do we want to plug? I think we have something to plug don't we adam some new content <laughs> yes there's new stuff on our patreon page so that is patreon.com slash podcast there'll be much more regular uh, content there so check it out we also have our website which is travelingwiththemouse.com so you can find links to all those things on our website and we have an email address if you want to email us it's podcast at travelingwiththemouse.com and we are on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. That is all at TWTM Podcast. You can actually catch uh, at least one photo. There might be more by now. of uh, Jason's Cruise now on Instagram, so go check that out. Um, we have a Spreadshirt store in which you can buy your exclusive TWTM merchandise. That is shop.spreadshirt.com slash TWTM Podcast. So for John, Adam, and myself, Jason... This has been Traveling with the Mouse, and we hope you join us on our next trip. Use Fast Pass.